Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. It's Wednesday night. It's the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, and I am joined by Dave Somerville. Dave, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm so good. I'm so glad to be back. And guess what? We won! We won! We won! <laughs> Baker baking a cake down the field, but we'll come to that. Uh, yes, uh, here at the Impartial WinFL Show, we <laughs> 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 like to discuss all things to do with the NFL, obviously, and uh, yes, yes, as, yes. As, as you've already guessed, Dave's team won. Yes, yes. we did. And because yes. um, we at the WinFL Show don't have much luck with our teams this year, um, mm. this is actually quite an important thing. So Dave, why don't we jump straight into it? We're going to have yeah. our week 14, week 14? Week 14, my word. Week 14. Week 14 recap. And then what we're going to do is we're going to have our week 15 rapid fire preview. And then, of course, random stats. Now, we're going to start with the Thursday night game. The Los Angeles Rams. The Las Mm. Vegas Raiders in SoFi Stadium. Of 74,738 people. The Las Vegas Raiders were leading the Rams in this one, Dave. They were leading it 16-3, with 3 minutes and 20 seconds to go in this game. This game is over. I am turning off. I'm not watching anymore. It's done. Did you turn off, Dave? Did you? I didn't Didn't watch it. No, did you not? No, nope. <laughs> didn't watch it whatsoever. Didn't so, know uh, what you're talking about. Uh, no, I did not, is the answer. Uh, I, I kept on watching. I just, uh, you know, I thought, we've got a chance if we can get one touchdown. You know, we, we can give ourselves a chance. That's all I was asking for. But, like you said, it was about 3.19, 3.20 left in the clock. Cam Akers ran in for a touchdown. He did now, indeed, yes. He did, yeah. And then we kicked the extra point to make it 16.10, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes. Um, then we managed to stop the Raiders. Uh, I, th- I think it was a three and Was it a three and out? If it wasn't three and out, they got one first down. Um, and then after that, they punted the ball away. Now, their punter, I don't even know who their punter is, but he punted a beauty right down to the Rams' two-yard line, which meant that we had, I think it was less, was it less than a minute? Uh, sorry, less than two minutes to get the ball down the field to try to win the game, get some, get something from the game. Even if we missed the extra point, we're still going to, ex, you know, uh, an, another quarter, well, another quarter, an uh, extra overtime. But yeah, it was just the weirdest game ever i've never it's been a while since i've been so full of emotion but i'm surprised there was no knock on my door at 5 a.m after i was shouting and screaming at the telly (laughs) i'm surprised my neighbors did not call because yeah between you you, yeah you you you, i I mean maybe i'm a little biased so you round it up a little bit for me because i i I still uh, this is what we're we're a week later and i still can't contain how excited i am about this so just one for the ages. It was. So you're absolutely right. The uh, the punter for the Las Vegas Raiders, AJ Cole III, the uh, third. hit an absolute belter of a punt mm-hmm. all the way down to the two-yard line. And of course, for those who are not aware, the Los Angeles Rams had at quarterback one Baker Mayfield, who had who signed with the team 48 hours previously and basically mm. had one day to try and learn the entire offense, was thrown in uh, with the early uh, game, of course, being the Thursday night game for the Rams against the Raiders. 
and all he did was march them 98 yards down the field to score a winning touchdown. Well, a, uh, what would be turn out to be a winning touchdown to Van wow. Jefferson with nine seconds to go in the game. Matt Gay kicked the extra point to make it 17-16. So the LA Rams come away with a win against the Raiders. They move up to 4-9 to bring the Raiders down to 5-8. and eight. And all of a sudden, the the Rams, you know that they were at one point sitting third uh, overall for the draft pick, and uh, mm-hmm. we've given that one away. This was a heck of a game. This was a great game. I loved this game, um, and yet for the first three and a half quarters, nothing doing with the Rams. It looked like they'd made an awful mistake with Bacon Mayfield. They only had three points. Matt Gay kicked a 55-yard field goal uh, as time was expiring in the first half. Uh, I beg your pardon, sorry, in in the the first quarter. And then that was it, right up until 3.19 to go in the game. Uh, Dave, I'll hand it over to you. It was was an emotional day for you, boys. Just a bit. I mean... It it was it was crazy because I, I that final drive. You know, we, we did well. We our drive before when you know it was it was coming down to the kind of three minute times when we scored that touchdown with Cam Akers. Now that drive was a seventeen play drive for seventy five yards. So that that was hard work in itself. Now the offense is going to be tired after that because we're not used to getting more than kind of six plays per drive. So seventeen plays in one is quite heavy going and there's some really big guys there but there were there was two penalties on that final drive against the Raiders that to me cost them the game we were hung out to dry uh, and one of them was on fourth down so it was fourth and three at the Rams 32 yard line uh, now there was a, a punt it was punted by Riley Dixon if I'm not mistaken now mm-hmm. what happened was that there was a defensive offside on that punt, which is automatic, automatically a five-yard penalty, gives the Rams the first down. That is just unnecessary. There was all the other one as well. There was, it was a second penalty on that same play. It was, uh, was holding, uh, but obviously that was declining. The offside gave us the first down. Then Baker Mayfield passes to, Vo- to Van Jefferson for 20 yards. And then another penalty on the play, for offensive for offensive holding, and that was a ten yard, and then that carries on. So the, the drive keeps going. Uh, sorry, there was offensive uh, holding against the Rams. I do apologize. Now it's first and twenty. Baker Mayfield passes it to Kyron Williams. He picks up ten. You've then got just ridiculous short plays, and then the catch of our season. Baker Mayfield passing to Ben Skoranek, who I've been really critical of. And he made one of the most incredible catches. And he had to make it, and he made it. It was incredible. And then that final pass, I was I stood up. I kicked my juice over. No care in the world. Ju- you were drinking juice, were you? I was, yes, juice, okay. juice. Just I, 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 look, work, work four hours later, it was not going to help me. <laughs> if, if there was going to be, if it was anything that wasn't juice... Okay, so I, I thought better of it. I made one good decision uh, of, of my that night right there. But Baker Mayfield's pass, uh, all just the, basically the last play of the game. Uh, it was 23 yards to Van Jefferson, and then 
first play of the Raiders, trying to get down the field. Though probably one of the worst safeties in the league, uh, Taylor Rapp, manages to pick off Derek Carr after it was intended for uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, uh, and I think the only thing I can say is that it was quadruple coverage that Carr tried to throw into. So they got what they deserved in the end. Penalties cost the Raiders the game. And there's one happy Ram sat right here. I bet there is, Dave. I mean, it was it was quite a game, and it's it's strange because so the score was sixteen to three, mm-hmm. which is which is uh, you know in <laughs> I was going to say in anyone's book in every book a thirteen point lead. It's not insurmountable, but at no point, at no point at, during this did I think the Rams were going to come back. I thought there was no, no. chance. They had Neither did done. I. Nothing in this game, and that was, um, it was only thirteen points, but that was a mm-hmm. miraculous comeback. Miraculous. We were lucky. We were lucky to get the three points in that game. In fairness, we 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 were lucky to get anything on the on the score sheet at that point. Um, and just on Baker Mayfield as well, that he had practiced the day before the game, and he got twenty throws in approximately. One of the things they did was a two the two minute drill of the most likely plays that they're going to call. And, you know, did a little bit of practice with that. And that's it. That's all he did. Barely looked at the playbook whatsoever. Just a lot of communication from the offensive line. It was the first time all season we had back-to-back games with the same offensive line. That's incredible in itself. And, you you know, I think I read a stat somewhere that we are the first team in the modern NFL history to have uh, 12 different offensive lines starting in 12 weeks. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. It is. And you, you, you might also be the first team. Now, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'll need to, I'll need to check this uh, mm-hmm. because I, I am literally just spitballing here. I've done no research because it, it just came to me. Are the Rams the first team to sport two first overall draft picks in the same season at quarterback? Oh, that's an interesting one. That, we'll need to, right we need to look that one up because Matthew Stafford obviously was... A first overall pick. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield was a first overall pick. He was indeed. I'm trying to think of um, another team that's had two number one overall picks at quarterback in the same season. That might be a random stat. It might be utter garbage. I don't know the honest answer to that. Okay, so from your point of view, Dave, where do the Rams go from here? If Baker Mayfield starts throwing dimes, playing Rams win at the season... At the end of the year, do you want to go back to Stafford? From a fan's point of view, do you want to go back to Stafford or do you want to see Mayfield take it from next year? If Baker lights up the rest of the season, I can see the fans turning on Stafford a little bit. Um, I personally like to see both of them as Baker being the best kind of backup quarterback in the, in the league. I'd really like to see that. We don't have a lot of money to pay him. I think that's what happened with the OBJ situation. Uh, we, we, you know, he he will demand some sort of decent salary, which we won't be able to provide him with because we have no cap space whatsoever. Um, I I I'd say that this uh, well, the safer option would be Stafford because Baker's season up until now has been pretty dreadful. Um, so you know he, he wasn't okay with the Panthers. I mean, he was pretty. He was Sam Darnold was picked ahead of him, so. That says a lot about how his season has gone, uh, and and I think is CJ Walker, uh, PJ Walker, is he not a, an undrafted quarterback? I think he was. Yeah, I mean a quarterback that was deemed not even good good enough to be drafted 
w- w- replaced him and then did better than him. So, yeah, hopefully Baker carries on what he did at that game because he's definitely inspired a few uh, and concussed a few, uh, as our cornerbacks can attest to uh, with the celebrations after the game. So instead of, you know, helmet to helmet, nice kind of camaraderie, boomph. Baker doesn't need a helmet. He just headbutts him right in the helmet and nearly <laughs> knocks out our cornerback. So, yeah, that could have gone badly wrong. And then we would have someone else in the concussion protocol. But, um, yeah, could have I, been. I, could have been. It, it could have been. But, you know, I'll, I'll end on this one stat. Teams are now 4 and 551 when trailing by 13 or more points in the final four minutes in the last five seasons. And that includes playoffs. Half of those four wins have come in the last four days, courtesy of Tom Brady and Baker Mayfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll give uh, Mayfield credit for this one because he played well. Uh, yeah, I'm, not, the, I'm not giving Brady any credit for his because he did not play well. So I'm just anyway. no. Anyway, I, I think I'm what not, we'll do. <laughs> yeah, the only other thing I was going to say was the other one was one of the other two, not this year with the Jets and Joe Flacco. Uh possibly, possibly. Yeah, when yeah. Oh, but anyway, Rams win. I can't believe it. Cry. Yeah, the Rams did win. You know, believe it. Enjoy it. Uh, because speaking of the Jets, we then come to the next game. And it was at Highmark Stadium where the Buffalo Bills were taking on the New York Jets in front of 70,603 fans. And they watched the Bills um, pretty much dominate this game. The Jets never really looked like they were going to win it, especially because Mike White... Went out injured in this game with Joe Flacco. The aforementioned Joe Flacco came in and he just got the absolute hell beaten out of him. Uh, Bills win this one 20 to 12. They will go up to 10 and 3. The Jets still in the hunt there at 7 and 6. Um, Dave, it, was, uh, it wasn't the best game from a neutral standpoint. I just I hope that Mike White's okay for his own sakes. I mean, what did you make of this one? Well, when I was watching it, I, I think it was there was three times that Mike White went down injured and they weren't, you know, they were bad injuries. He was absolutely rattled by the Bills uh, defense. Um, I'm pretty sure he went to hospital straight after the game uh, to get checked out because it's quite possibly a bad, uh, either a broken rib or a cracked rib, something along those lines, but he played through it and he's, you know, he soldiered through it. That It's almost not fair that uh, someone as tough as that, exists in the world to be honest I, I mike white's great we love mike white but um yeah he, i mean no touchdowns no interceptions for him um when joe flacco came in he was one one of three for one yard so joe flacco doing joe flacco things um there was also a safety in the game which is quite a rarity um but yeah the the, the jets ran in uh, for a touchdown, if I remember rightly, I think it was Knight. It's Zonovan Knight, if I remember right. Yeah, Zonovan Knight ran in for the touchdown. Um, Jets, they, they threw a lot. And I mean, they're, they're kind of run first team, um, but they threw 44 attempts and ran for 22. So basically doubled uh, what, what's, you know, basically what, uh, what they usually do. So I think the only thing I can take away from this is that Jets managed to get a safety. But they looked pretty awful, and I'm now in complete agreement with you that Sauce Gardner is a dirty cornerback. He is a fouling, dirty, consistently fouling <laughs> cornerback that does not get called. I could not believe it. Diggs, t- uh, up a- for the first half, I think it was, 
Diggs had four yards, one target for four yards. And that's because Sauce Gardner was all over him like a kind of sticky blanket. And it it wasn't like a fair play. It yeah, was so hard, usually, it was usually, usually when we say a cornerback is all over a receiver, uh, it means that they've shut them down. He was literally draped over the back of Stefan Diggs. And yeah. there, was, there was one play, I can't remember which play it was, but he held him from, from the line of scrimmage. And he just kept pulling and pulling and no flag was thrown. And I've never seen this before. I mean, they're throwing DPI flags for cornerbacks looking at receivers. But for some reason, with Sauce Gardner, they're not throwing these flags. He does it again and again and again. And what's going to happen is the officials will get wise to this eventually. Can't believe they haven't done it already. Um, and he's, just, I mean, as, as we've already said, he's an incredible athlete. Take nothing away from him. An amazing athlete. He needs to clean his game up because uh-huh. in big games, if the Jets make it into the postseason, you can absolutely bet the officials will be looking for those. Yeah, absolutely. And they also the other thing the other thing as well was that there was a couple of dodgy kind of uh, actual calls, not no calls, but actual calls. Um, there was one, I think, for roughing Josh Allen as well, which I thought was never uh, roughing the passer. So, yeah, they, there's, they seem to be very heavy on some things and far too light on others. There's no consistency. But did the Bills kind of just do what they've been doing for most of the season and see out a close victory. They certainly do. And as I say, that moves them to 10-3. and three, And right uh-huh. on their heels is the Cincinnati Bengals, who hosted the Cleveland Browns at Paycor Stadium. Need to get that changed. Uh, and they mm-hmm. come away with a 23-10 to 10 win over the Browns. Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase. Uh, Joe Burrow to Trenton Irwin. Um, and Deshaun Watson got his first touchdown pass to David Njoku in the third quarter. But it wasn't enough. Uh, also, Samaji Pirine rushed in from six yards in the second quarter. It wasn't enough as the Bengals come away with a 23-10 win over the Browns. Dave, handing it over to you is pretty impressive by the Bengals. I mean, they did. They, they pretty much saw out the game. And I, I'm pretty sure I predicted a Bengals uh, win, I think. Uh, but did, yeah, um, yes. I, I did. So, um, yeah, the, the, it, it was pretty... I, they didn't look like... They were going to lose at any point to the Bengals. Um, they they had a really good second quarter, uh, and just they they kind of the Browns left themselves too much to do at that point. Um, so they were chasing the game from halftime really, and they just couldn't get it done. I think Deshaun Watson needs a bit more time, but again, he just didn't look like the Deshaun Watson of old. Uh, even though he did get his first throwing touchdown back, I think did he not come in for or did did he go down injured? Um, near the end of the game I think Jacoby Brissett came in I don't know if that was just for the one or two plays at the end of the game but uh, I vaguely remember Jacoby Brissett coming in but uh, they couldn't get the run game going uh, Nick Chubb 14 for 34 yards um, Watson rushed a few times out of the pocket 6 of 33 carries Kareem Hunt was just non-existent um, 2 receptions for 6 yards and 4 rushing attempts for 6 yards just they, they just didn't run the ball at all. I do, for every one run, they threw it twice. I mean, the Browns need to play to their strengths more, and the Bengals played to theirs, and Joe Burrow kind of marches on. It was a good game for Joe Mixon as well. So Bengals yeah. are 9-4. and four. They are indeed, and a couple of things took away from this game. The Browns are almost 100 yards in penalties, 98 yards in penalties in this game. Wow. Um, and as you mentioned, Dave, uh, and we've mentioned before, this Bengals defense 
is for real. It's quietly for real as well. It really is. A lot of people aren't noticing because, you know, everyone's talking about uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon, and I get that. But this is a very good defense. And if the Bengals, uh, you know, well, I'm assuming they will uh, get into the into the postseason there, they are going to be dangerous. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I don't see any reason why they can't go right through and uh, go on to be AFC champions once again. So we then move on to the next game, and it's uh, the Battle of Texas. The Dallas Cowboys and the Houston Texans at AT&T Stadium. It, honestly, I swear, it seems like every single week. <laughs> it seems like every single week the Cowboys are at AT&T Stadium. I don't know yes. if it's... I, I know they're not... It just feels like they are. And it was 93,843 fans watched the Houston Texans taking the lead in this game. Um, they were up 10-7 to 7 in the first quarter. They were up 17-14 to 14 in the second quarter. It was all square uh, at halftime. And they were leading 23-20 to 20 with 42 seconds to go in the game. But the Dallas Cowboys managed to a 98-yard drive. Not quite as impressive as Baker Mayfield's because he only had 48 hours, whereas Dak Prescott's had six years to prepare for this. Uh, but they did. They marched down the field and Ezekiel Elliott punched it in from two yards out to give the Cowboys a 27-23 victory. Dave, it was a scary one for a lot of times for this Dallas Cowboys team. Um, and I don't know, it was just... The Cowboys, as I've, as we've both said, hot and cold, you have no idea which version of this team is going to turn up. Both uh, versions of this team turned up today, but uh, for a, a long time it looked like it was going to be the wrong ones. And they, I honestly thought, with about three minutes to go in this game, they were going to lose this one. What did you make of it? So did I, uh, to be completely honest. And, I, I mean, I was laughing because there a lot of the Cowboys players, the more high-profile players such as M- Michael Parsons, has been very active on social media recently, you know, about people that are doubting the Cowboys and whatnot. They managed to squeeze out a win against, quite like, arguably, but by the by looking at the records, the worst team in the league. Oh, they are, they, yes, it, no, they are. They're the worst team in the league. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, they, kudos to uh, Davis Mills because a, he threw one pick, but apart from that, he was flawless. I, I thought that was the game of his life, and then it, it kind of got ruined by the interception. But he was really good. 16 of 21, 175 yards. He didn't get in for a touchdown. There was one interception. Um, there was a lot of Jeff Driscoll came in uh, yeah, at one point. Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, and he threw a touchdown. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff Driscoll um, will, in my opinion, will eventually go to a team that can utilize him. He's one of the most mm. athletic quarterbacks in the entire league. He's fast. He, I mean, he, and when I say he's fast, I mean he is fast. I believe he has the quickest 40 time of any quarterback who's ever played. Wow. This guy can run, <laughs> like proper run. Um, and he's a big, strong athlete. And I just, I hope that one day he goes to a team that can actually use him. Um, I, I like Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, I mean, he's, he ran the 40-yard dash at 4.56 seconds. And for a QB, that is fast. That's ridiculous. That is really fast. It is. But I, ju- I also just want to say, while we're on the subject, my personal um, player of the game was, I think it's Chris Moore, the Texans wide receiver, because he stepped up in the absence of Brandon Cook, who was inactive. Uh, wide receiver, 
10 receptions for 124 yards. It would have been great for him to cap off with a touchdown, uh, but he didn't get that chance. So, uh, yeah, massive shout out to him. And he was one of my kind of players of the week as well with um, a huge performance. And yeah, the Texans were so close, but the way, the that extra, that extra one takes the Cowboys to double figures. And Texans 1-11-1, Cowboys 10-3. Yes, indeed. And speaking of 10 and 3, the 10 and 2 Minnesota Vikings uh, went to Detroit to take on the 5 and 7 Detroit Lions at Ford Field in front of 66,374 fans. And all they did was get torched by Jared Goff. My goodness, Goff had an incredible game in this one. Uh, Kurt Cousins himself put up over 400 yards and two touchdowns. But Jared Goff, 27 of 39, 330 yards, three touchdowns, wasn't sacked once for a rating of 120.7. And this Lions offense is deadly. Joff, uh, Joff? Oh my goodness. Uh, Jared Goff. (laughs) Jared Goff (laughs) seems to have a new lease of life. And Jameson Williams, the wide receiver with his first play of his career, catches a 41-yard touchdown pass from Jared Goff. Dave, this was a great game, and I know our uh, resident draft expert, Ewan McPhail, he was beaming like a Cheshire cat after this game. Uh, What did you make of it? This was a fun game of 34-23 to the Lions. What did you think? Well, I've never seen Ewan smile in real life ever. So that this is how amazing this game was for the Lions. That <laughs> you know, it, it it made it made Ewan smile. But Jared Goff, when he he, he had a few incompletions, to but be, when he did fair, his so, sorry, targets, dear, I, I'm going to yeah, okay. I do apologize. Sure. I apologize. To be fair, the reason he doesn't smile often is because he's a Lions fan. So he's really not had I, much to smile. But I mean, you know, it's when's the last time they won a playoff game? 1991. I yeah, mean, prior, a, prior to this time. season, they, they barely won a game, let alone yeah. a play. You know. yeah. But I, I picked them last week to make the playoffs, and I'm, I'm mm. very, I'm cheering them on, or because I love Dan Campbell, which I've said before. But Jared Goff, that, where, where has he been hiding? Because he, uh, he hasn't looked like this in the last four years, and all of a sudden he's playing like this week in, week out. Um, yeah, because, I mean, I mean, it's because of the offensive line. He, they kept him upright, and Jaragoff. Just you know, sorry, Dave. I, I apologize. Right, no? I know you. You know more about Jaragoff than I do because, obviously, being a Rams fan. But Jaragoff, at the end of the day, is an NFL quarterback for a reason, mm-hmm. and the reason is he's very good at what he does. Because the worst quarterback in the entire NFL is better than Joe Bloggs a hundred times out of a hundred. He just yeah. is, right? Because, and there's only, you know, 32 starting spots in the NFL. The entire, I mean, I know they like to say the whole world. Obviously, there's other leagues. But in the NFL, which is mm-hmm. the apex of playing the sport of American football, there are only 32 starting quarterbacks. He is one of them for a reason. He's very mm-hmm. good. His biggest feeling is when he doesn't have a good offensive line, he looks awful. It's, a, it's such a drop-off. Now, you know more about this than I do, David. It's a massive drop-off. Um, mm-hmm. But they kept him upright, didn't get sacked once, and look what he did. Sorry, Dave, carry on. All I was going to say, can you imagine what Jared Goff would be like behind this Rams offensive line? <laughs> can you imagine that he that, like, it wouldn't, he would be stitched back together with like the flimsiest cling film 
<laughs> you know that that's because that that's how battered he would have been oh, uh, like this season. But the thing that I took from the Lions one one slight downside: they could not run the ball aside from one big play from C.J. Moore um, because he came in. He was a, he's a safety, C.J. Moore. But he had one massive carry for 42 yards, if I remember sorry, rightly. Sorry, he's a, what? C.J. Moore. C.J. Moore. Uh-huh. Now, I, I thought safety. he was a, Yes. Um, Am I right in that? Yeah, he had a, a rushing... What's going on with like the Patriots putting cornerbacks in? Uh, yeah. <laughs> defensive yeah. backs or receiver. And then having a safety run in the ball. Oh, let's not forget Penny Sewell. Oh my what word! What an incredible <laughs> catch! See, see, they were listening to us. They've done it again. Dan Campbell it's, it's was listening to what we were again. saying last week and the week before about getting some of these, you know, linemen, defense linemen, offensive who, who are, you know, incredible athletes, and saying, "Let's create a mismatch." Yeah, here's a mismatch. You want to cover Penai Sewell? On you go. Just try it. Did you Did you see what Dan Campbell said? He said he no. because because of the noise of the crowd, he could he, he didn't hear what his offensive coordinator, what play his offensive coordinator had called. So when he saw the ball getting thrown to him, I think shall we say there was a few forward expletives said very loudly across, <laughs> uh, on on that Lions touchdown. More lines of what the is he doing on there <laughs> thing, and it worked. And it was amazing. So <laughs> I don't, I, I don't even know what to make of it. But so you got safeties that, playing running back, and you've got offensive linemen playing receiver, and oh, you know that's how to keep a defense on their toes. I mean, yeah, but uh, the Vikings look. Justin Jefferson again, eleven receptions for two hundred and twenty-three yards. Is that not the quietest two hundred-yard game? No one's talking I mean, about it. The guy, the guy no went for 220 yards and nobody even mentioned it. Her cousins went for 425 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and no one's batting an eyelid. No. That's because everyone's as excited about this Lions team. I'm excited about this Lions team. Uh, and I me was, too. And I was talking to, to Ewan uh, yesterday, in fact. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was seeing the fans have got to be excited in Detroit. Regardless of the if they lose every every game for the rest of the season, right? Yeah, they've got a really good nucleus of young players, and they've got a high draft pick coming up. Regardless yeah. of where they finish, yeah. yep. So, I mean, and because they don't have a glaring need, possibly cornerback, but it's not glaring. No. They've got good receivers, good running backs, good offensive line, decent quarterback. Uh, you know, credit for credit to Jarikov played well. He played well. I think he's good enough that they can win games. He's proved he's good enough that they yeah. can win games with him. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, my God, he did it again. That he did it. Defensive rookie of the year, in my opinion. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Aiden Hutchinson. Um, they've, they've got, and, and uh, Jeff Okuda is good, but when um, Justin Jefferson was not being lined up with Jeff Aguda, he just went off, just exploded. But you can't take the numbers that Justin Jefferson puts against you as average numbers. So you can't say, well, he went for 200 yards. Yeah, he does that quite often. You know, he, he goes for 150, 160, 170 yards all the time. 
So going 200 and, what, 220, did you say? 223 yards. 223, yeah. yeah it's, it's just mm-hmm. another step up for Justin Jefferson. Maybe that's why no one's talking about it. Because we're so used to him getting all these yards uh, every single game. But I'm, I'm really excited for this Lions team next year. I mean, what, are, what are you thinking about it? I mean, I, I think if Jared Goff carries on, that high pick, at, at the moment, they're, they're looking at either a third or fourth pick in the draft. Right, that, That's the kind of state the Rams right now. So I think they should be looking for um, maybe a linebacker or maybe an offensive lineman that, you know, just to bump up uh, the offensive line. But I, I, I think uh, one of the top linebackers, you've got an outside linebacker lined up in Will Anderson, uh, who's expected to go in the top five of the draft. But this is a QB heavy draft. So if they see a quarterback that they think is better than Jared Goff, I wouldn't be surprised. But Goff has a huge salary and he's got two years left to go in it, I think. So I'm pretty sure, I I, I think the Lions will not draft a quarterback and I'm really excited to see what they can do for the rest of the season because Dan Campbell is just going to go for it. And he's got his own guys in now. He's got a team that is working together. Aiden Hutchinson looks an absolute dime. And Jameson Williams, his first catch. And, you know, after one, is it a year he's been out roughly? With a a knee knee ligament. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a a ligament. ligament, Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he looks brilliant. Uh, He was only in for a few plays as well, but wow, what a way to make your debut. And, you know, good on the Lions. I won't admit it to Ewan. But I'm cheering on Lions this year. <laughs> Never admit it to you. And I think that's, that's no, something no. we all agree yes. here. So from one big cat to another big cat, we come to the Jacksonville Jaguars who are taking on the Tennessee Titans at Nissan Stadium in front of 68,409 fans. And this was the Evan Ingram show. Uh-huh. It really was. Uh, the Jaguars defense actually played really well in this game. Uh, but Evan Ingram just completely went off on this one. It was ridiculous. And the Jaguars come away with a 36-22 win, and Trevor Lawrence looked good. And I mean, he looked really good in this game. Uh, you, you can look at his numbers. Uh, I mean, 30 of 42, 368 yards and three touchdowns, but that's, that's only one side of it. Some of the throws Lawrence was making were what we were hoping he would make when he got drafted uh, first overall last year. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we're finally starting to see Trevor Lawrence come into his own. He made big throws at big times when he wanted to, but Evan Ingram, 11 catches, 162 yards and two touchdowns. The man was an absolute monster in this game. Dave, what did you think? Finally, Trevor, the real tel- Trevor Lawrence has stood up. And yeah, I mean, he was just magnificent. It's his best game in the league, I think. I think it also shows what he can do when he has a better coach, when he has players that he can gel with a lot better, and when he's had time to adapt as well. So you give him a wee bit of time. He's a good, he's decent scrambling as well. I mean, I saw a couple impressive plays as well. But um, he also didn't. He, ru- he rushed in for a touchdown. I think, if I remember rightly, seeing. Yep, he did. Yeah, so so four touchdowns basically he got in that game. Three through the air, one on the ground. Like you said, though, Evan Ingram was just amazing. It, the, those every time they went into zone coverage, the Titans, Evan Ingram managed to get in between. 
two two linebackers basically or or a linebacker or cornerback and they just couldn't contain him at all so every time he snuck out boom ball went to him and i mean apart, i i'd say I, thinking about it i think evan ingram is lurking out, the t- out just outside top 5 uh, of tight ends so I, I think he's he's a brilliant weapon to have when Lawrence can't find players like Christian Kirk because Kirk so had like five catches in the game. So yeah, for, he he was uh, good for forty five yards. Um, Zay Jones eight for seventy seven yards and a touchdown. So he played his part as well. A few big throws to a, a couple other guys as well. But this I, I know he said it's the Evan Ingram show. This was the Trevor Lawrence show. This was really the kind of peak point for Trevor Lawrence now because that was an amazing performance. He had to do it. Um, they were down 14-7 after the first quarter. Titans didn't get on the board until the fourth quarter again. And by that point, Jacksonville had 26 unanswered points at least. So you make of that what you will. I think the Titans were poor. 7-6 and six now the Titans. Um, I think the Jaguars are probably the best 5-8 and eight team in the league. And I think the Titans are the worst 7-6 well, maybe what is some of the New York teams, but uh, the tight, uh, <laughs> there was. Um, I mean, he- Derek Henry was the only man that really turned up for the Titans because he had 17 carries, 121 yards, one touchdown. He had uh, one or two big runs as well, uh, which really yeah, bumped up I his think figures. he had about, yeah. like over 90 yards, uh, like midway through the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, by that point, but they found a way to shut him down. Now you didn't mention the New York teams there, Dave. So we're going to move on to the next game, and it was the New York Football Giants hosting the Philadelphia Eagles at MetLife Stadium in front of 81,506 fans trying to hand the Eagles their second loss of the season. It didn't work. Uh, and in fact, <laughs> at no point did the Giants even look like they were in this game. The Eagles jumped no. into a 21 to nothing lead and never looked back, coming up with a 48-22 win. And that scoreline flatters the Giants quite a bit, yeah. actually. Uh, the Eagles dominated from start to finish. And Jalen Hurts just, you know, I, I, once again, he's just playing outstanding football. Um, hopefully it lasts for him. Uh, now, Daniel Jones, on the other hand, he he didn't play that badly. You know, 18 and 27 with 169 yards and a touchdown. Tyrod Taylor did have to come in. He went 5 of 5 for 47 yards and a touchdown. So he actually uh, had the best rating of all the quarterbacks who played in this <laughs> game. Well, Tyrod Taylor. But Dave, what did you make of it? I mean, what I make of the Giants is that, or what I've learned about Daniel Jones is that I have learned nothing about Daniel Jones this season. I don't know who he is. <laughs> I don't know if he's good. He's had some great performances and then he's had some shocking performances. He just well, he doesn't look competent whatsoever. I mean, Tyrod, I, I would consider putting Tyrod Taylor in next week because I, I don't think Daniel Jones is competent enough. Um, 18 of 27 for 169 yards and then one touchdown for Daniel Jones. But he was making some bad mistakes. And the Eagles did what every team should be aiming to do against the Giants, and that shut down Saquon Barkley. He got nine carries for 28 yards, and he got two receptions for 20 yards. So the receptions you can kind of get away with. But the nine for 28, averaging just over three yards per carry, is just... Bark- I mean, they gave the ball to him nine times. That's not good enough. Well, well, you, you, it's the same with the Browns. Play to your strengths. Make make the other team stop you. That's what that that's what they need to be doing, and they're not doing it. So they give the ball to Daniel Jones, and he can't do much about it. Not not one quarter did the Giants score uh, more than eight points. 
and Philly put up uh, two-digit two digit scores in three of the four quarters, and in the other quarter, they got uh, it was the first quarter, and they got seven points in it. So it was just, it was an onslaught. It, it was men against boys. It was like a, an NFL team playing a college team. But Jalen Hurts, he's played his way into the conversation for MVP by consistently performing like this. So oh, massive kudos massive Abs- kudos to him. And he also got the uh, a rushing touchdown as well. Yeah, I think at this moment, it's it's pretty much between Hurts and Mahomes. Um, mm-hmm. Hurts actually has some better numbers than Mahomes does. Efficiency-wise, his, his numbers are better. And definitely rushing. Was he got 10 rushing touchdowns in the season, Hurts? Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, I if, if he wins MVP, I won't be surprised. Uh, I, I'd still give it to Mahomes, but I, I think if Hurts won it, I would have no issues with that whatsoever. So we then move on to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens at Akershire Stadium in front of 66,326 people. And this was the story of the backup quarterbacks because poor old Kenny Pickett went down after only one attempt and Mitchell um. Trubisky came in uh, to this game. He didn't play that great. <laughs> three in, what, what are you laughing at? And nothing, nothing. Carry on, carry on. I was just going to say, he threw three interceptions in this he game. He did. Poor Mitch. Um, and uh, as for the Ravens, Tyler Huntley was playing for them. He went 8 of 12 for 88 yards. And before he went down, and Anthony Brown, the third stringer, had to come in. He was 3 of 5 for 16 yards. No touchdowns from the Ravens quarterbacks. One for Mitch. But by that point, the game was pretty much over. Anyway, um, Justin Tucker knocks through three uh, field goals in this one. And the Ravens come away with a 16 to 14 victory. Dave what did you think? It was pretty poor football, but to be expected with that many backups in the game. Yeah, um, it was really poor quality. Uh, it, 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 I mean, at times it wasn't a boring game, but, you know, Mitch getting picked off three times. I, I, at the third one, I did start laughing. Um, but, you know, well, we can we can kind of sc- scrape over that. Um, yeah, so... Uh, the disrespect this, this, is just... <laughs> it's it's just see- awful. The Steelers didn't really run the ball much. They didn't. They didn't actually have that many plays because the Ravens, like they, they pretty much uh, owned the clock really. Um, but yeah, Hunt, Huntley until he went down, he, he kind of looked out of his depth anyway. And Anthony Brown, I mean, it's it's quite heavy to expect something uh, a lot from him when he's the third string quarterback. And you know, uh, Huntley going down, it's obviously very difficult to come in. But um, J.K. Dobbins had a pretty good game. Uh, and what's pretty much one of my kind of standout performers of the week, because he didn't, he had a really bad injury at the start of the season. Yes. Yes. And he's come in 15 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown. So he's finishing off the season really strongly. I mean, there's not a lot to say about this game. This, it was a really poor game. Um, the throws that Mitch was able to make, he, he, he was 22 or 30. 276 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. The throws that he were he was able to make uh, to players like Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, you know, they they picked up good yardage as well. But but by the time that he was actually making the really solid plays, it looked like the Steelers were pretty you know pretty desperate by that point in the fourth quarter. So um, the Ravens scrape a win. They're they're one of the worst nine and four teams around. Steelers are lucky to be five and eight and not worse. Yeah, it was one of the kind of rubbish beats of rubbish games. But, you know, the Ravens march on and hopefully they'll have Lamar back for any pre uh, postseason. 
Yes, indeed. I think they could really use Lamar Jackson uh, coming back in that one. So then we move on to the next game, and it was the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs at Mile High Stadium. Don't care what you call it, you stupid companies. <laughs> uh, in front of 76,072 people watched the Kansas City Chiefs go to a 27 to nothing lead with 4.32 to go in the first half. It was embarrassing. It was humiliating. Uh, and the reason they went to the 27th and nothing is because Russell Wilson threw one of the most ill-advised passes I think uh -huh. I've ever seen. It was an incredible play by Willie Gee Jr. Um, to, to actually intercept the pass and return it for the score. But I, as, as Wilson was dropping back, I thought, oh my word, what are you doing? Uh, and it was 27 to nothing. So by this point, Dave, the game's over. I mean, you're playing Kansas City. They've got 27 points by halftime. You've got nothing. You're the Denver Broncos. You can't even score 14 points in a game. So what happens? Well, with 135 to go in the first half, Jerry Judy catches an 18-yard touchdown pass from Russell Wilson. I couldn't it's believe it. 27-7. And then we intercept Patrick Mahomes. And with nine seconds to go in the half, Jerry Judy catches a five-yard pass from Russell Wilson to make it 27-14. And I thought, wow, well, do you know what? At least it's not embarrassing. This is what I was thinking going to ha into halftime. At least it's not embarrassing. We managed to score two offensive touchdowns, open up the second half, and Russell Wilson throws a screen pass to Marlon Mack who turns on the Jets and takes it 66 yards for a touchdown. The Broncos are now scored three touchdowns in a little over three minutes of play. It's 27-21. At the end of the third quarter, Juju Smith-Schuster catches a pass from Patrick Mahomes after Patrick Mahomes basically turns it to Harry Houdini and just vanishes and reappears again and throws. It was an incredible touchdown. Um, the Broncos then answered, uh, Russell Wilson was driving them down the field. He rushes for a first down. He gets absolutely crushed um, when he's uh, rushing for the first down. Has to leave the game with a concussion. But Brett Rippon comes in, throws a touchdown pass to Jerry Judy, his third of the game to make it 34-28. Unfortunately, that was it. Wrapped up the scoring. Broncos couldn't complete the comeback for a second. For a second, I thought they were going to do it. They couldn't actually manage it. But a couple of things, Steve, before I hand it over to you. First of all, for the first time, I'm talking about the Denver Broncos this year and I'm not ranting about it. I'm not, I'm not, because they actually played pretty well. Now, even the defense, 34 points, allowed, well, the, the defense actually allowed 27 points because there was the, the pick six. Allowed 27 points, but Josie Jewell had two really good interceptions and even they were outdone by pat sartan's interception um I, i've never seen any i think he actually put his hands into the ground never mind just on top of it to, to stop that ball hitting the ground for his interception patrick holmes ended up with three picks on the day he still managed to go for 352 yards and three touchdowns um and uh, they, they just couldn't stop uh, isaiah pacheco and jarek mckinnon in this game and one final thing, on Patrick Mahomes' first touchdown pass, mm -hmm. he is running to the sidelines um, in his, his, on his own, you know, his own 40-yard line. He's running to the sidelines, being chased down. 
Tremont Jones et al. And uh, he just, like, underhands the ball. It's what I would do. If I was yeah. running towards the sidelines and I saw, I was like, whoop, just whoop, whoop, just throw it. But when Patrick Mahomes does it without looking, it lands straight in the hands of Jerick McKinnon, who takes 56 <laughs> yards. And I was watching this play going, this guy has done it again. This, yeah. guy, this guy, Patrick Mahomes. Now, Patrick Mahomes, statistically, his worst games are against the Denver Broncos. In his entire sure. career. All yep. of his worst games are against the Denver Broncos. But he still managed to pull out the odd play in there when you just sit there with your jaw open going, what in God's name was that? He did it again. Um, I actually enjoyed the game. Even though the Broncos lost, they played well. The defense, despite allowing those points, played exceptionally well. Um, there's no accounting for Patrick. I've, just, I've given up. Accounting for Patrick Mahomes. The, the touchdown to Jedek McKinnon, the first one, was just ridiculous. And his uh -huh. touchdown to Smith-Schuster was just as ridiculous. The, his escapability is second to none. Dave, I'm done. No rant this week. Uh, what did you make <laughs> of this game? I mean, massive shout out to Josie Jewell. What a game that man had. Oh, the man's had a monster. Nine, nine tackles, two picks as well. And, you know, he just... How many people get to pick off Patrick Mahomes, let alone twice in one game, and the Broncos team as a whole picked him off three times? And How the, yeah, often? And these were athletic, and it's not like the ball hit him in the numbers. No. He was uh, diving for these. It, it was Sertan with the other one as well, if I remember rightly, because I, I was sat watching it. it I think it was message, messaging you as well. Yeah. Or I think we were on Twitter, but I was just saying, oh, there's hope. And it was so, I, they were so close to doing it. I think the momentum kind of got cut a little bit when Russell Wilson went down injured, but that's the best Russ has looked in. It had a Broncos shirt. Oh, the, yeah. The, oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But um, yeah, Brett Rippon had to come in. He got one touchdown. He was picked off as well. I think that, um, that was quite close at the end. Yeah. He so he, off, he got yeah. hit as he was throwing mm, and the ball it, popped yeah. up in the, and that ball was in the air for an eternity. And I it was, would be a crime. Yeah, if someone I didn't was. pick that, it would be a crime. Um, it's not always weird, though. See, what, when that happens, and we, we've all seen it, every quarterback, every quarterback, the ball pops up in the air. It's never a wide receiver who's standing there. No. It's no, always it's, a defense. I'm, I'm assuming that's because the defensive backs are watching the quarterback, whereas the, the receiver's obviously Aaron. So when the ball pops up like that, they don't get to see it. But yeah, mm -hmm. that ball, I think that ball had about five seconds of hang time. <laughs> more than any punt from the game but yeah i mean the the only thing as well that came out of game there's a couple uh dodgy kind of officiating calls as well um actually what against the broncos where the officials have not been consistent this season in all games uh jerry judy was on the field took off his helmet and was screaming at people and yeah, there was no call on that I and believe, that's i believe yeah. he actually bumped into an official as well that's right. That's uh, that was the other thing as well. He, so he should, by the rule book, he should have been ejected. He, sh he should be ejected, but he also should be fined, even though he wasn't ejected. Yeah. So yeah, I think he was screaming in, the in one of the officials' face, if I remember rightly, saying a swell. But apart from that, what a game he had! Three touchdowns, eight pick, uh, eight receptions for seventy-three yards as well. Yeah, I mean, she looks amazing. The, the the reason he was doing that is because I think it had been the second time that he'd been held 
uh, and it hadn't been called, and he was yeah. just he was just losing it. Uh, it's not an excuse, and no player should ever touch a ref. That, that's just you know it should never ever there's never an excuse for it. These refs uh, don't they're they're not wearing armor plating, you know they can't protect themselves. Um, so th- there's no excuse for a player to touch a referee. Uh, Jerry Judy, if he's not already done it, because obviously we don't see all the ins and outs that's going on inside the NFL. If he's not apologized to the referee, he should apologize to the referee. Um, and if he's not been fined yet, he should be fined. He yeah. should have been ejected. He, he w- yeah, he will be fined, I think. It's yeah, usually about fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. Yeah, he should be. There's hope. Is there? <laughs> there is. There's there is. Hope. This, the Broncos this. have shown that they, they I, I think the only bad hope is that Hackett might turn things around a little bit for the rest of the season and keep I his job. I don't think so. And I'll tell you why. Because this was Clint Kubiak calling the offense again. Now, the first game was appalling. I mean, it was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's the worst offense I've ever seen. The second game wasn't any better. It was like, wow, this is the second worst offense I've ever seen. But this... It, it like the, some of the calls, some of the play calls were work. They they finally managed to execute a screen pass. Uh-huh. I think it's the first time this year, and it went for a six six yard touchdown. Now I'm not saying that's going to happen every time, but at least they know. Oh, look what happens when we actually get one of these right. Yeah, you can score. So maybe they can actually do that. Uh, and just as a wee side note, before because we're not definitely not talking about the Broncos all all uh, this time, is that this uh, was the first time that a Broncos receiver has scored three touchdowns in a game since Demarius Thomas, almost one year to the day since he uh, passed on. So R.I.P. Demarius Thomas. R.I.P. Yeah. So we'll move on now, Dave, and we come to the Seattle Seahawks and the Carolina Panthers. And the Seahawks welcome to Lumen Field. 68,672 fans watched the Panthers come in at 5 and 7. Uh, so I beg your pardon, at 4 and 8 and walk away with a victory to move to 5 and 8, knocking the Seahawks down to 7 and 6 with a 30 to 24 victory. Now, the uh, Seahawks. Once again, the the receiver, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, both had really good games again. Geno Smith is still doing Geno Smith things, but he did throw a couple of picks in this game, Dave. Uh, And Uh Sam Darnold didn't throw any mistake-free football, and that will win you a game every single time. What did you make of this one? What the Panthers know how to run the ball with or without Christian McCaffrey because they racked up 223 total rush yards in that game. And... The Seahawks did not run the ball very much, and I think that's why Geno Smith was forced into some of these kind of dodgy throws because he was 21 of 36, but he also had those two picks as well. He made some really good touchdown throws, but he was he was also their kind of second biggest rusher, three carries for 20 yards, and that was just broken plays. So the Seahawks, I mean, they're down to their third or fourth running back this year. Um, it was Travis Homer that came in and he was nine carries for 26 yards. Just couldn't get anything done on the ground whatsoever. Whereas the Panthers on the other side, Darnold only managed to get 120 yards. He was pick free. He made he made a couple bad throws, but they were never in danger of being picked except for maybe one. Uh, and between um, Dante Foreman and Chubba Hubbard, we'll call him Chubba Hubbard because that's his name on the win. We call him Chubba Hubbard. Yeah, I mean, they combined 35 carries for 148 yards and one TD by Hubbard. So 
yeah, I mean, they were pretty flawless. Donald Rush, uh, no, yeah, Donald Rush for 30 yards as well. And I think the third choice uh, running back, Raheem Blackshear, uh, rushed for in for a touchdown as well. Four carries for 32 yards. So they didn't need to get done through the air. They got it done on the ground and they silenced that Seahawks. Um, you know, there's kind of 12th man and there wasn't any literal 12th man on this week. So um, that, that, that was, that was uh, you know, that, that was something as well. But the, the Panthers were 17-0 up, um, you know, until the Seahawks finally woke up kind of halfway through the second quarter. But um, yeah, and then they saw out the game in the fourth quarter, Blackshear getting in for his touchdown run and Eddie Pinheiro managed to uh, extend the lead. I think that made it kind of 30 points to 20... No, it was to 17, I think, at that point. And then, you know, with about 16 seconds left, uh, Marquise Goodwin got in, but they couldn't get the onside kick back. So, Panthers. I mean, I think that goes to show that the Seahawks are not consistent enough uh, to be considered strong um, NFC playoff contenders. I think they're currently second ranked in the wild card right now. I predict the Lions will overtake them. And... If I were the Seahawks, I would worry about the Falcons, and that's saying something. Uh, Falcons and the Panthers. So Seahawks not consistent enough, but the Panthers march on to five and eight. They certainly do, and they're really uh, vying for that top spot in the uh, awful NFC South. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, we come on to the next game. <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers welcoming the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to Levi's Stadium. 71,725 fans watched the greatest quarterback picked 199th or later versus Tom Brady. And it was Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant. 16 of 21, 185 yards, two touchdowns. But guess what, Dave? Mm-hmm. Guess what? He got injured. Brock Purdy is now injured. And Josh Johnson who was one of our random stats. Mm-hmm. Josh Johnson signed from the Broncos practice squad to the 49ers, came on. He only threw two passes, got 10 yards and one completion. But Christian McCaffrey did everything he needed to do. Debo Samuel also got injured in this game. He did, yeah. Everything that could go wrong for the 49ers went wrong in this game. But guess what? They absolutely blew the doors off the Buccaneers and it was beautiful. 35 to 7. They crushed Tampa Bay. Tom Brady attempted 55 passes and only got 253 yards. It was lovely. Um, and Kyle Shanahan, you just know, at no point was he letting up in this one. He remembers that Super Bowl. He remembers yeah. playing against Tom Brady. And if you think he didn't have a bone to pick and say, we are just going to keep on going and keep on scoring this was 35 to nothing with 248 to go in the game yeah it was wonderful i loved it it was amazing i'm so sad for brock party that he got injured i'm gutted because he was absolutely sensational and completely outplayed uh what some people call uh the goat he looked like a goat because he couldn't throw the ball uh tom brady so dave <laughs> <laughs> I loved this. What did you think of it? I mean, you talk about the goat. I think he was more Billy the Kid in this game because he he just couldn't do much at all. Just that was awful. You, 
Don't like judge like a me, troll right? under the bridge. <laughs> oh, just oh, honestly, it gruff. was. Oh my! <laughs> oh, what are we talking um, about? Anyway, sorry, oh, carry on, God. dude. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, 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 I do usually when the when the Rams play the Forty ers the the two people on defense that I hate to see basically are Fred Warner and Bosa. Now, Bosa wasn't able to get to Tom Brady. Uh, and if I remember rightly, I don't think he was sacked once in the game, but he was picked off. Now, neither of these two players managed to get any interceptions, but what I've now discovered to be the second highest rated linebacker who is not Fred Warner is actually Dre Greenlaw. Now, Dre Greenlaw turned up in this game and he had 10 tackles, five assists and one pick. That is a brilliant performance. So the defense, even even though Debo went down, even though Purdy went down, they managed to just absolutely annihilate the Bucs. How the Bucs are ahead of the Panthers, how they're ahead of the Falcons, how they're ahead of the Saints, I do not know. It's I a know. mystery. I no, know. I know the reason. <laughs> I know the reason. Oh. We spoke about it last week. But see, mm. this, this game, this is a, the perfect example of what happens to teams when they don't change everything about themselves when they're playing Tom Brady. This is it. This is a team, this San Francisco team, has said, right, okay, we've got got Christian McCaffrey. Now, they had Debo Samuel. He went out injured. I think he's done for the year. If that is the case, that's that's awful. Horrendous loss if, he, for them. if he's not done for the year, he won't be back till the offseason anyway. Yeah, so he's it, definitely on IR. It, it's just it's an, an awful loss for them, but one of their biggest weapons. Um and they just play great defense. That's what they do. It is, but at the same time, they played great offense for about 90% of the game. And you know, I I just I'll, I'll read you one final stat. Brock Purdy this year, his numbers on th- when passing on third down. He is 18 of 20 for 160 yards, 133.3 passer rating. And he's got 11 first downs and two touchdowns. There you go. And he was Mr. Mr. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Yeah. Mr. Irrelevant. Clearly yeah. better than Tom Brady. I think we've all just established <laughs> that, that he is much better than Tom Brady ever has or ever will be. So excellent. That's good. There's Brock Purdy for you. And that was a wonderful... I enjoyed that game more than I've enjoyed any Broncos win this year. And there hasn't been many of them. So it's not actually seeing much. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about now. So we come on to the Los Angeles Chargers versus the Miami Dolphins at SoFi Stadium. 70,240 people watched the Chargers beat the Dolphins by a score of 23 to 17. And oh my goodness, if I was ever in doubt about Justin Herbert's ability, which I wasn't, but if I was... This cleared it all up. This guy was making throws that you you just you're thinking, oh my! Honestly, at times, and there are times, and and I know I do not say this lightly, but anyone who's listening, saying he's just talking, no, I don't, I do not say this lightly. There were times when Justin Herbert was dropping back and was pinging in passes that reminded me of a sort of Warren Moon type throws these balls are coming in with the tightest spiral you've seen mm-hmm. at a rate of knots and they were absolutely on the button to a 
Tagovailoa didn't have a great game. He didn't have a bad game, but he didn't have a great game at all in this one. Uh, and it's sort of, I don't know, are the wheels coming off this Dolphins team? They're 8-5, but they really got outplayed by a Chargers team that hasn't been great this season. What do you make of this, Dave? What do you think? First of all, what do you think of the game? And then secondly, I want you to talk about the Dolphins. Give me your opinion on them. I, I think this game actually, what we should be focused on is the Chargers because I think the Chargers just outplayed the Dolphins. I, I think when you say that, uh, did the wheels come off of Tua? I think they came off in the style of Chernobyl or Hiroshima. Because that was just an Good implosion. God, man, that's that was oh, horrible. Oh, that, okay, right. It was For, that, uh, right, that if, was uh, hey, no, uh, that that yeah. was one of the worst. That was one of the worst quarterback performances. You were being nice when you said you didn't have a great game. That he was ten of twenty-eight. Well, I know, but steady on with the whole, you know, <laughs> um, dropping nuclear bombs in cities comparison. That's a little what extreme. A, little extreme. I, uh, Okay, I anyway, mean, he so was he, he was he, he was a, he was just a bomb waiting to go off because he was he was terrible. How the Chargers didn't pick him off numerous times, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's tough to say much uh, positive for the Dolphins because, like you said, Justin Herbert was amazing. That that that's one of his best performances uh, oh, since he's come sensational into sensational in this game. Yeah, he was brilliant, and like you say, I, some of the replays. I was watching some of the replays um, yesterday, actually. Uh, the, the the tight spiral the tighter the spiral the easier it is for the receivers to to make the catches and he was giving them every opportunity he was putting the ball in places he had no right putting it and making these plays but two words to describe why I think the Chargers won this game and that is clock management because the the amount of times the Chargers had the ball thirty nine minutes and thirty eight seconds compared to the Dolphins twenty minutes. Oof. Two thirds of the game, and the third down efficiency. The amount of times the Chargers got to third down. You know they were t- they were maybe running out or short throws quite often. Nine of eighteen, the Chargers were for a fifty percent completion rate on third down. The Dolphins were three of eleven. So that that's closer. That's less than thirty percent. So yeah, I mean. When the Dol- the Dolphins did get to Justin Herbert a few times, I think it was four sacks eventually. But the Chargers had seventy eight plays in this game compared to the Dolphins forty nine. That's a lot of they plays. Just, that's, that's a that, lot of plays. That's going to weigh a defense down. It is. But do you, do you reckon that's more the Dolphins being out coached a little bit? Because I would I would say that's a pretty strong case. Um, I, I I don't know about being out coached because. It's an aspect. It's an. It's a factor. It 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 probably is a factor. Yes, but it was just honestly. It's it's hard to quantify. We we watch the NFL, and so much of the NFL that we take away from it is stats, uh-huh. and we I know everything is measured in this game. Every yeah. single aspect of this game has a stat. But it's only when you watch it. Now, we've spoken about Justin Herbert already, but if you look at his stats, you go, that you know, he had a good game. It's only when you watch it and you see the plays he was making, mm-hmm. that, you know, that was keeping these drives alive. You know, that was enabling them to have so many plays on offense. Um, it, I just, I was, that, that's one of the more impressive quarterback performances I've seen in a long time by anyone. Um, 
outside possibly of Mr. Mahomes in Kansas City. It really was. That was one of that was an incredible performance by Justin Herbert. I I wasn't that high on Herbert um, Mm -hmm. coming into this season. And there's been a few games where I've said, you know what, you can see the arm talent is there, but I'm not convinced. But after this game, I'm 100% convinced if he stays healthy, he could very well go on to have a Hall of Fame career. I absolutely believe that. that, that, Sorry, I was just going to say, that's what I... Um, that, that I think his injury in the middle of the season, mm. I think that hampered him and he was panicking a wee bit with some of his throws and some of his plays. So that's probably what's hampered him in the last few weeks because he, ha- he, well, he hasn't really um, played to the best of his ability. I and mean, we've discussed this a few yeah, times. Yeah, he had a rib injury, didn't he? Mm-hmm. He had a bad rib injury. Um, I think, the, I mean, the takeaway obviously is Justin Herbert, but speaking of takeaways, did you see Tyreek Hill? Right. When the the Chargers <laughs> now yes, the did. Chargers fumbled it. What happened? No, the, I the, still the, don't know. The, yeah. the Dolphins fumbled it, didn't they? The Dolphins. Yes, yeah, sorry, the Dolphins yeah, yeah. fumbled it. Then there was a big scrummage. Now, am, am I right in saying the Chargers picked it up? Right. So and then the, fumbled it. Yeah. Again. So everyone was jumping on the pile. It looked yes. like the Chargers had the ball. Mm-hmm. It did. And as everyone's kind of rolling around the pile, the ball kind of pops out. And one of the Chargers defenders just kind of stands there. And it, it's almost like he's looking at it going, oh, there's the ball. You know? <laughs> Meanwhile, Tyreek yeah. Hill's going, oh, hang on. I'll take that. Then runs backwards, loops all the way around this massive scrum that's going on, and then takes it the distance for a touchdown. <laughs> You're thinking, oh my there's goodness. one man that you don't want to have the ball in that situation. It is Tyreek Hill, the fastest player in the league. Absolutely, Absolutely. not. But oh. I, that that's where I thought the wheels were going to come off for the Chargers. I was just that, that that's a mo- the momentum might be going now. But wow, they came back bigger and stronger. So kudos to them. Absolutely. Then we come to the final game, which was the Monday night game, and it was the Arizona Cardinals and the New England Patriots at State Farm Stadium. In front of 63,251 people watched Kyler Murray start the game, and after just one pass attempt, he left the game. It looks like he is done for the year. I believe it's an ACL injury. But yeah, Kyler he's Murray, torn his he ACL. Is, he is yeah. Out. He's done for the year. Colt McCoy came in, uh, attempted a lot of passes, 40 of them to, uh, to be precise, but he was sacked six times. He didn't score any touchdowns. Mac Jones didn't do anything particularly impressive, but this New England defense was all over the Cardinals and they come away with a 27-13 win. And Dave, just before I hand it back to you, um, th- first of all, th- this Patriots defense is ridiculous. But what do we think about Cliff Kingsbury? Because the Cardinals are down now to four and nine. Can you see them winning another game without, you know, without Kyler? What do you think of this one? It, it's well, they've got the Broncos coming up, and and they're going to be down to uh, Brett Rippon, I think. So it'll be mm-hmm. Colt McCoy versus Brett Rippon. But what do you think of this Cardinals team? Do you think they've got much of a shot to win any more games this year? I think while you've got. DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown at wide receiver, you're always going to have a chance. And I, I actually rate James Conner as running back. I, th- I think he's a really good running back. But take away your, your kind of franchise quarterback, then things really change. Colt McCoy is a decent enough backup, but I, I, I don't see it. And do you remember preseason when, I think it was PFF, 
had put out a ranking of the head coaches in the league. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury was fourth. Yes, Cliff Kingsbury was fourth. And I burst out laughing. Now, this is one of the prime reasons I burst out laughing. If your backup quarterback is in there, you rush the ball. I think it was 15 times in the game. James Conner had 15 carries in the game. Colt McCoy had 40 attempts, right? Now, that's a lot for a backup quarterback. I know you've got a playbook. You've got a game plan. But the, the Patriots are a Bill Belichick defense. And I tell you what, what, someone who should be in definitely in line for one of the defensive players of the year, if not winning it, should be Matthew Judon. Oh, the now, man is an absolute monster, isn't he? Another one and a half sacks in the game. Is he? I think he's sack leader still in I the league. I think if, if he's not, he's tied for the, for the lead, yeah. Yeah, but there was also uh, Josh Uche, who had three sacks in the game. Now, I, I've never heard of him before this game. So I, I, there's not a lot I can tell you about him, other than he plays for the Patriots and he got through to Colt McCoy three times. Now, that was, that was just crazy in itself. But do you remember last week we were talking about the Patriots? They had put in one of their cornerbacks, I think it was Jonathan Jones, uh, into wide receiver. It was one of the Joneses, because there's two Jones at Patriots, and I get it mixed up. There's, there's Jonathan Jones, and I think it's Marcus Jones. But it, it, they're both cornerbacks, so it's really confusing. But um, yeah, one, one of them went down injured as well, and the other one had a pick in the game. So... You know, this this Patriots defense, you don't hear about these guys uh, outside of being a Patriot, like prior to being a Patriot. There's very few of them that do that. But Lawrence Guy, he's a Patriots um, uh, nomination for the Walter Payton Award. He led the line and a lot of focus went on to him, meaning that guys like Judon, guys like Uche were able to get through to Colt McCoy. So, you know, a, a guy that is well known, Lawrence Guy, managed to get through um they you know they managed to um play to their strengths and basically just out outplayed and out coached each uh the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury. So they shot uh, shut them out in the second half and wow they did it in epic fashion. Mac Jones didn't really have to do much like you said. So Patriots are seven and six. They've got a winning record and they're right in contention now for the AFC wildcards. They certainly are. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the coming weeks uh, for the playoff picture. So that wraps up our week 14 recap. I can't believe that's 14 weeks. That's, I, every time I say that, that just sounds wrong. Uh, week 14 recap. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to have a week 15 rapid fire preview and of course random stats. And we will catch you just after this. Welcome back to the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm here with Dave Somerville, and this is our Week 15 Rapid Fire Preview. Dave, we start with the Thursday night game. It's the San Francisco 49ers at the Seattle Seahawks, and I've got the 49ers winning this one handily by a score of 27-14. to 14. You know what? I've got the 49ers winning, but barely, because I think it's going to be a very, very close game. I think they're going to get a field goal late on. It's going to be 27 points to 24. Oh, I've got both of them taking 27 points, even with mm. Josh Johnson, a quarterback. We then come to the Indianapolis Colts at the Minnesota Vikings, and I reckon the Vikings get back on track with this one. I've got them winning at home with a fairly high-scoring affair, 28-26. 
Yeah, I've, I've got the Vikings just outclassing the Colts here. I'm actually going for a high-scoring game, so it's going to be 35 points to 14. We then have the Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns, and I think the Browns come away with this victory. Uh, I don't like picking them, but I'm going to have to, I'm afraid. I've got them winning this one in a fairly low-scoring affair. I scored a 14 to 30. Oh, we're thinking along the same lines. I've got the Browns winning by 17 points to 12. We then have the Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills, and I think up in Chile, uh, northern New York there, the Buffalo Bills are going to come away with a big win. I've actually got them winning this one by a score of 40 to 24. I think it's going to be a bit of a shootout, but I'm going to say the Bills scrape it, and it's going to be by 30 points to 27 with Tua getting two picks. We then have the Kansas City Chiefs at the Houston Texans, and I've got the Chiefs just blowing the Texans out here. I don't think they can repeat what they did against the Cowboys, and I've got the Chiefs winning this one by a score of 38-13. to Well, the Chiefs are getting a 14-point head start. Sorry, a 14-point minus handicap on the betting line, and I don't. you can't really blame them. I think it will be closer, actually. I, I think the, the Chiefs are going to win it. I think they're going to win it by 27 points to 17. We then have the Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. Saints coming off a bye here, Dave. Falcons coming off a bye. I've mm. got the Falcons squeezing this one by a score of 24-23 with Cordell Patterson having another kickoff return touchdown. I think it's going to be a close one as well. We're thinking along the same lines, but I think it's going to be 21 points to 20 for the Saints. Oh, I like it. We then have the Detroit Lions at the New York Jets, and I see the Lions keep on keeping on. I've got them winning this one by a score of 27 to 19. Ooh, very, very close again, but I, I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Jets are going to slog it out, but I've got the Lions winning by 24 points to 20. We then have the Cowboys at the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm taking the boys from Duval County to win this one. Oh. I reckon they beat the Cowboys in a in a... A very close game in overtime by a score of 27-24. I can't really go against the Cowboys. I, I think they're just they're they're better than the Jaguars. I really want to say the Jaguars, but I think the Cowboys are gonna win it. So I've got them winning by 28 points to 20. I think Tim will probably agree with you on that one. <laughs> uh, we then have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Carolina Panthers, and I think the Panthers win this one at home. I've got them taking this one by a score of 21-17. Do you know what? I've got the Panthers winning it as well, but I think it's going to be exceptionally low scoring. I think it's going to be 16 points to 10 with uh, Mitch Trubisky get picked off again and again. We then have the Philadelphia Eagles at the Chicago Bears. Not really sure what to make of this game, but I reckon the Eagles will still prevail. I've got them winning by a score of 31 to 20. I think the Eagles will leave it late and just beat the Bears. I think they're going to win by 31 points to 27. Oh, a close one there. Mm. Then have the New England Patriots at the Las Vegas Raiders, and I think Bill Belichick is going to take Josh McDaniels' team to the absolute cleaners. Low-scoring affair, but still a fairly hefty win. 20-6 to for the Patriots. But we're, we're close with the Patriots. I've got them scoring 20 points, but I've got the Raiders scoring 21. I think there's just going to be some sort of mess up with the Patriots, and they're just going to lose by one point. We then have the Arizona Cardinals at the Denver Broncos. It's Colt McCoy versus Brett Rippon. I've got no idea. So I'm going to take the Broncos because they're my team. And I've got them winning this one by a score of 16 to 13. <laughs> of course, they're going to have 16 points. <laughs> I've also got the Broncos winning uh, against a poor Cardinals side. 
I think they're going to break the 16-point hoodoo again. I think they're going to score 20 points, and I think the Cardinals are going to score 15. So Broncos for the win. Nice. We then have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I think the Bengals will absolutely tear them to shreds. I've got the Bengals winning this one by a score of 38-10. to 10. Very similar again, but uh, I've got I've got the Bengals winning, maybe not quite by so much. 31 points to 16 for the Bengals. We then have the Tennessee Titans at the Los Angeles Chargers, and I'm not going to lie, I found it's very difficult to pick this game, but I'm mm-hmm. taking the Chargers at home, at SoFi, and I've got them winning this one by a score of 24 to 20. I think the Chargers are just not quite consistent enough. I think Titans will bounce back in this game. So I'm going for a 24 points to 20 win with Derrick Henry getting two touchdowns. We then come to the New York Giants at the Washington Commanders. I've got the Commanders taking this one in overtime by a score of 23 to 20. I was struggling with this one for a while. I I, I think the Commanders are going to scrape it. I've, I've got 20 points to 17 for the Commanders with Saquon Barkley getting all uh, two touchdowns for the Giants. And then the final game on Monday night is the Los Angeles Rams at the yeah. Green Bay Packers. We've already picked this one as our upset of the week and I am picking the Rams. I think Bacon Mayfield, if he can do that in 48 hours, what's he going to do within a week? I've got a monster scoring game in this one. I've got the Rams 42 and the Packers 36. I don't know where you plucked 42 points out of, but that's not happening. Um, I, 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 you don't know that. I mean, it's it's just not going to happen. What I do think is going to happen is that the Rams will scrape a win. Uh, I genuinely believe that. I can't remember the score I picked for, for the Stramash podcast, but I think the Rams will win it by about seven points. Well, there we go. And that wraps up the Rapid Fire Week 15 preview. So, Dave, we're just about towards the end of the podcast here. I think we've got time for one more segment. Is that right? You know what? I think we've got time for another segment on top of everyone's favourite one. Would you be prepared? Would you want to, do you want to hear what it is? Absolutely. I'm always game for new segments. Well, this one is Dave's Magical Quiz. Dave's so, Magical Quiz. Dave's Magical Quiz. And I am, I am going to ask you... A couple questions to test your general knowledge. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay, so uh, is this going to be a regular thing? Will we get Tim to do a voiceover for next week for Dave's Magical Quiz? You know what? Quiz? Maybe, maybe we should. I, I I, mean, I worry what Tim will come up with, but uh, I think, you know, we can definitely kind of uh, see how it goes. I'm, I mean, I, we, we love a random stat, so we, there's, we do. Uh, we're, we do. we're not lacking in information available for oh, these no. quizzes to okay. test your knowledge. Oh, wow. So... Are you ready? I'm about to be found out here. Okay, on you go. <laughs> what have you got okay. for me? So I've got three questions for you. Now, uh, one's about this year. One's about, um, shall we say, in previous years, like kind of historically. And another one that's just kind of off the cuff. So here we go with question number one. What team originally drafted Brett Favre? The Atlanta Falcons. Correct. One for one. 1991. 1991, indeed. That's scary. Actually, do you know why I know this? Go on. I have Brett Favre's rookie card. Top rookie card from the 1991 draft. It is something we may actually put in a giveaway uh, at some point. I do have Brett Favre's in mint, literal mint condition. It was opened, pack was opened. And then immediately put into a box. Never seen daylight since. Um, we do have Brett Favre's rookie card 
for the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, that's kind of how I knew that one. So sorry, Davis. Well, not <laughs> Oh, yeah, you got it right. That's the whole purpose of it. Oh, yeah. Why am I apologizing? Yes. One no nothing idea. to me. Yeah, one nothing. Right. Now, question two. Which team had the nickname the Doomsday Defense? Dallas Cowboys. It was indeed. Yeah, yes, 1970s. It was exactly. This is what I mean about the historical one. But yeah, well done you. Now, we come to one that I think is going to test you. Probably. Four quarterbacks have nine or more interceptions in their last eight games as a starter this season. Oh, God. <laughs> How many can you name? A nine or more. Four quarterbacks with nine or more picks. Um, yes, in the last eight games. Last eight um, Patrick Mahomes? He's number four on the list, yeah. Oh, um, oh God, this is really, really difficult. <laughs> this is so Ooh. difficult. Um, Come on, I, think, I, think of an underperforming quarterback that we thought was going to complete a team. Um, Russell Wilson? Not Russell Wilson. Oh, no. God damn it. Okay, I messed that one up then. <laughs> <laughs> well... I shall, t- I shall tell you, because the- Patrick Mahomes is one. Yeah, I knew Patrick he- yeah. <laughs> he's on th- He's on nine. So you've got two other quarterbacks on nine. One of them is Matt Ryan of the-, of the Colts. Yeah. And the other one is one that you wouldn't have expected to see on this list, and that is Dak Prescott. Really? Nine interceptions in his last eight games, yes. Blimey. And the other, the other one, maybe you could, you could expect. So that would be Davis Mills, who is top on ten. But yeah, that's an interesting one. That's, now, a, that's a very good one. That it is. However, I have one more that is designed specifically for you. One more question, and then we can get on to our favorite segment. So there is one player who has scored the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Name him. What you like this year? No, 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 no. One player has scored the opening kickoff in a Super Bowl. For oh, a in a Super Bowl. Sorry, Devin Hester. Yes. Devin Hester. <laughs> you didn't Devin say in a Hester. Super Bowl. I'm sorry. I, ju- I jumped ahead of myself because I was like, he's got to know this one. There's no way. Yeah, no, that's one. Devin Hester against the Indianapolis Colts. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, I mean, you're, you're three or four and a, and a nice warm up into David's magical quiz. Ah, I like it. That's yeah. excellent, Dave. Oh, well, I we mean, need to get like a wee sound effect for Tim's voiceover. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm still worried what he's going to come out with, though. It'll be, well, <laughs> it'll, it'll be better than Carrier Pigeons and Morse Code. I think we can I'll agree on that. So. <laughs> Shout out Stramash. <laughs> Shout out Stramash podcast there, yes. Um, right, Dave. So we do actually now come to our final, 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 I, I think, <laughs> segment. And it is... <laughs> Random stats. Uh, so yeah. why don't I go first this week? Okay. So last week, you'll remember that I spoke about um, the leading interceptors uh, uh, active. We were the most mm-hmm. interceptions and how it was like ranked 150th or whatever all time. Mm-hmm. Well, this week, we're going to be talking about fumble recoveries. Now, the reason we're talking about this, I'm going to talk about Rod Woodson. Now, Rod Woodson, as you know, Hall of Fame um, yeah. player, for the Steelers and then the Ravens, he's one of the. He's one of the. I'm saying three. What should we say? Three, yeah, three greatest cornerbacks of all time, in my opinion. 
Yeah. Those three being up, yeah. Rod Woodson, Dion Sanders, and Champ Bailey. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in no order. I, I don't rate one over the other. It just, they, they had their own different styles. But if I had a choice of three cornerbacks, that would be it. Rod Woodson, Dion Sanders, and Champ Bailey. But Rod Woodson has had 32 fumble recoveries in his career. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, that ranks him 30th all time. Now, you might be saying, well, then why are you telling me? If he's only 30th all time in fumble recoveries, then why is this a big deal? Well, the reason it's a big deal, Rod Woodson is the only person in the top 32 who isn't a quarterback. Wow. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the first 31 players in fumble recoveries are all quarterbacks. Usually because they've recovered their own fumbles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there's some names on this list you're going to recognize. Number one, Warren Moon. 56 fumble recoveries in his career. Dave Craig, who played for the Seahawks, well, played for six teams, but notably with the Seattle Seahawks, 47. Boomer Esiason. Tom Brady is fourth all-time with 44. John Kitna, Dan Marino, oh. 43. Frank Tarkenton, Brett Favre, Ryan Fitzpatrick with 40. He's tied with uh, Ben Roethlisberger. He's got Drew Bledsoe, Vinny Testaverde, Russell Wilson is the next active with 39. But... With 32, Rod Woodson is the only defensive player in the top 32. In fact, he's the only non-quarterback. Tied uh, at number 33, tied at 32, is Jim Marshall, who played for the the Minnesota Vikings for all those years. Um, He is 30th in the the all-time fumble recoveries. We then have Alex Smith, another quarterback. And yeah. then Ricky Jackson, Hall of Fame uh, linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. So, yeah, that is my random stat. Rod Woodson is the top-rated non-quarterback fumble recoveries of all time with 32 fumble recoveries in his career. I mean, straight away, when you hear his name, you, you just think, yeah, legend. I mean, he, he had an amazing career. Oh, yeah. He, he was... He put the fear into every offense of the ball going near him, and rights rightly so. Even towards the end of the career, his career, I think it was it was the Raiders that he was with. Uh, I think he was he was part of the Raiders team that went to the Super Bowl against the Bucks. I correct. Um, he was with the. Who was he with? He was with the <laughs> the Ravens team that played the Giants. Mm-hmm. Won the Super Bowl. Uh, I can't remember who's with. After that, I'm, 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 I'm I, I, drawing I want to a say, blank. I um, want to say the the Raiders. I'm, I'm sure it was he, the Raiders. Do you know what he did? He played for the 2002 Oakland Raiders. You're That's right, absolutely yeah. spot on. Please see if he, he was eight. In, he had a league leading eight interceptions that year. Wow, I, I, I vaguely remember. A few years ago, he had gone back to the Raiders as a kind of coach because I remember seeing him on the sideline on a game. Um, so, you know, he's still got strong connections with the Raiders. I think that's why they kind of popped into my mind. It wasn't even that he was playing, but I remember there was him and there was also Charles Woodson, if I'm um, not mistaken. And they were both at the Raiders because the Raiders had Jerry Rice and Brown at 
wide receiver. Tim Brown and at, Jerry Rice, at, yes. At, yes, at wide receiver. But then they had an amazing defense as well. So I was convinced that they were going to win that Super Bowl. But that Bucks defense, that was, that, that was unreal. You know, just led by kind of players like Warren Sapp. Yeah, him, him alone, he was a crazy good player. Warren the, the Sapp, athlete. Derek Brooks, John Lynch. Uh, just, it's full, full stack to Hall of Famers. But let's not forget that that, that game... The, the Super Bowl, the Buccaneers played against the, the Raiders. The Raiders actually threw out their offensive playbook the night before. I did not know that. That's something I've never Yeah, heard. they had been predicating their, their offensive attack around the run and doing this and doing that and the next thing. And then it was like the, the night before, they changed it. And I think um, you, you hear some of the players, guys like Jerry Rice, and they're going, why? We've been practicing this for two weeks since the championship game. And, mm-hmm. and now we're changing it. Uh, there was a lot of, like, oh, what's going on here? Why are we doing this? Some people think, some people, I am not one of those people, think the Raiders threw that game. Surely um, not. Well, you, you, you wouldn't like to think so. But uh, no. keep in mind that the plays that they were running, because John Gruden had previously been, the previous year had been the coach of the Raiders. And uh, there's John Lynch on the sidelines in that game mic'd up saying wow that's just like we drew it up in practice that's the exact play that john said they were going to run and they ran it mm-hmm. because he had their playbook it was john gruden's offense they were running in Oakland, and he was the the coach of the buccaneers so uh, yeah i don't know i don't know it's if food I, for thought food for thought I, well i've just i've just had a little read and it looks like what the first person that came out and said and accused Bill Callahan of deliberately throwing the game was actually Tim Brown, yeah. because he he stated that Callahan originally planned the Raiders' strategy around running the ball, since Oakland's offensive line outweighed Tampa Bay's defensive line. Yep, and it was it wasn't by a small amount, but he, he's claimed that Callahan changed the game plan to a more pass heavy strategy two days before the game, like you said. So, Two day. Well, it, I so, mean, was, you know, was it two days? Day, sorry, I had said it was, yeah, sorry, I said it was it, the it day was, before, but yeah, two days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a Baker Mayfield kind of time frame. So, you know, it. it <laughs> so, yeah, regardless, they did have two weeks. Yeah. They were prepping for two weeks, and then he mm-hmm. throws it out for this new thing, and everyone's like, why? We've not done this all year. You know, why are we why are we doing this now? Why are we changing everything that we're doing? So it was very, very strange. It was, it was a lot of strange things. In fact, there was there's an excellent video on YouTube, and I forget the name of the channel. Uh, I want to say it's Secret Base. They do these uh, um, deep dives into games and and mm-hmm. decisions. Um, I want to say Secret Base. If I've got that wrong, I do apologize to the creators of that YouTube channel. <laughs> but you can look it up. Um, they and they they do deep dives into a, what they I think what they call a deep rewind. That's what they call yeah. it. deep rewind into the various things. You can look it up on YouTube, and they talk about the Super Bowl, and they talk about the decisions that were made, and they talk about like some of the the things. And they're saying why did this ever happen? Because when you look back, you think there's no way anyone would do that, but they did. Uh, and that that Raiders team was stacked with talent. It was. Oh, absolutely. But they got utterly obliterated in the Super Bowl. 
They did. It, it was it for forty nine twenty one? I want to say. Yeah, with like three defensive touchdowns. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was it was like a kind of masterclass uh, by the box, and the Raiders just kind of they they didn't even fall fall short. They they were just poor, and they didn't play to their own strengths. They did not, indeed. Uh, so anyway, sorry, Dave. I was me taking loads of time there. That was my random start. Against <laughs> Rod Woodson. Uh, what have you got for us this week? So, I'm, I, I've, it's a new stat that's come up this week, actually. Uh, and it's that there's an exclusive club that has a new member. Now, it's a very particular stat, so it's not the kind of most eye-catching one. But there are now four quarterbacks that have 30 games with 300 passing yards in their first seven seasons. Okay, so first seven seasons in the league, that we had 30 games or more with 300 passing yards. Okay? Are, we, are you following me so far? Four quarterbacks. Four quarterbacks, correct. Yes, got you. So, I'll, 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 I'll do a quick one. How, how many do you think you can name? <laughs> All right, Dan Marino. <laughs> Second with 37. Patrick yes. Mahomes. First with 39. Uh, Peyton Manning? Uh-uh. Oh, okay, right, so we've got Damarino, uh, yeah. Justin Herbert? No. no, no, he won't have that many yet. He's not played that long yet. He's not played that long. Not played but, that long. In the okay, first I, I seven want, seasons. In the first seven seasons. Uh, Drew Brees? Uh-uh. Oh, my word. No. Johnny Unitas? No. Okay. Yes, before you burst a blood vessel, I will put you out of your misery. Thank so, you very much. Third place on the list, even though he only played in the league for seven seasons, Andrew Luck comes in on 33 oh, of games. Course he did. Do you know, Andrew, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, he's, what else he's retired. Yeah, of course. Uh, I apologize, Andrew, because um, sometimes. Uh, because your career was so short, I do often forget about you in career statistics. So I apologize, Andrew, because you were one of the greatest to ever do it. That, that's a fact. Yeah. Andrew yes. Luck is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, and I won't hear any argument against him. No, I, 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 we're in full agreement there. But I do want to tell you that there is a fourth member of this now after this week. And I know we've, we've already spoken about him. Jared Goff Shut has joined up. this exclu- exclusive club as the fourth man to reach, to reach 30 games in his first seven seasons, up. passing for over 300 yards. I don't, I don't believe you. But, <laughs> I, I mean, you, you. look, I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. But I mean, I know I, I did say that Jared Goff's been playing well this year. But when you start talking about him uh, with Dan Marino, Patrick Mahomes, and Andrew Luck, mm-hmm. <laughs> now this week, yeah, his thirtieth okay. game where he threw for over three hundred yards. Bear in mind, he threw for three hundred and thirty yards against the Vikings this week. And you know, Andrew Luck, of I, I, I agree with you. One of the best ever to do it. Such a short career. He only played for seven seasons. Mm. And am I not, not right in thinking that he was injured for the whole entirety of one season? He, or very if, close if it, to If being, it wasn't an entire season, then it was most of a season, yeah? Yes. And, you know, he, uh, that, that kind of just goes to show how good Andrew Luck was. But Dan Marino and Patrick Mahomes topped that list. And 
just to put it in perspective, I've just looked it up. Yes, I was right. The 2017 season, Andrew Luck was out for the entire season. And, did and he, he not, only played did he, he only played half it? of the 2015. I was just going to say that he was he was out for like half a season. Which, which year did you say it was? 2015, he was out for half the season. And the Colts were 2-5 and five when he went down injured that year. Andrew, do you know, that's still one of the greatest. So there's two injuries. Mm-hmm. Well, not so much injuries, because Andrew Luck retired. But he retired for his own health. He let's did, let's yes. not kid ourselves on here. The man was being beaten to a pulp. Um, mm-hmm. And he retired. And I, I still, to this day, I, I still can't understand the, the Colts fans booing him like that. That was absolutely shocking. Yeah. But um, it's a case of, you know, what, what could have been. So there's a few. I, I, I've seen two. There was three, actually. What could have been? So Andrew Luck. What could have been his career? Well, Hall of Fame, guaranteed Hall of Fame. He would have been. If he'd played for 15 years, Hall of Fame. Just yeah. put it in now. Um, Terrell Davis, he only played seven years. He only played seven years. Mm-hmm. And um, he, and well, he technically only played six because his seventh year was just a complete whitewash um, because of injury. And now he is in the Hall of Fame. That's that testament to how good he was. The other one, and it pains me to say this, but I can't deny it. Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson was one of the greatest athletes that the United States of America has ever produced. Full stop. He was, yeah, he was a, he played baseball as well, didn't he? Uh, yeah, and he was damn good at it. He was, yes. And if he'd put his mind to ice hockey, he'd probably have been good at that as well. And I bet you he could probably play golf and darts. And curling. I don't know. Yes, <laughs> yes. It'll, be, it'll be a chess grandmaster as well. Just. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. Bo Jackson was so good, so good, but he got injured. And, and, and mm. like, it was career-ending. It was, was it a hip injury? Well, was it not that a case that he popped his hip back into place uh, on, when, on the field? Um, because he realised what happened, he popped it back in. And that's what, because he did that, did he not cause himself much more problems down the line? Um, you know, he may have done it. Bo Jackson only played four years in the NFL. Wow. Now, everyone yeah. today still knows the name of Bo Jackson. Exactly, yes. And he never played a full season because he played baseball. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't have, like, numbers or anything in front of me, but I remember his 1989 year. What it was like, I think he got, like, a third... I don't know if you got a thousand yards, but like damn close to a thousand yards. But he only he only played half a season. Yeah, he got nine nine hundred and fifty yards. Was it nine nine fifty? Uh, there you nine go. Nine fifty. And how many, how many games did he play? Uh, eleven. Played eleven games, nine hundred and fifty mm-hmm. yards, averaging five and a half yards per carry. And then the following yeah. year, he only played in ten games. He had one hundred twenty-five attempts. For 698 yards, averaging 5.6 yards. 5.6 yards per game. And let's not forget that this is back in, so when was that? That would have been 1990. Yeah, late uh, 80s and 1990s. Yeah, where if you average five yards a carry, that that was league, leading the league. With the exception, you know, obviously Barry Sanders. Just, yeah, <laughs> just the, 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 the elite of the elite. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bo Jackson was an incredible talent, but he got injured. In fact, it, it would have been that 1990. 
he was in a game, I want to say it was against the Bengals, I might be wrong, and he got injured, and that was him. Boom, career over. Such mm-hmm. a shame. Such a shame. Of course, me being a Broncos fan, I was like, hey, you know, the way just lose a weapon. But but all kidding aside, um, Bo Jackson, incredible talent. Talent Injury derailed his career. Terrell Davis, another one. Uh, Andrew Luck, retired for his own safety. I do not blame the man. But I you think have there was all think. yeah. There was also stuff about his marriage as well, and I think he said that there was a a statement not that long ago uh, online that said that he, it was half fifty percent to do with his health, but also because he'd been having uh, issues uh, with his family. So he chose his family over the NFL ultimately. So and you can't blame him for that. If if oh, it's no. if, if your professional career is affecting your family in a really negative way, and it can't it can't be fixed unless you leave the profession. I, I I'm I'm backing him a hundred percent. Yeah, and the other thing is Andrew Luck seems like a really nice guy. <laughs> he, he, did. he comes yeah. across as a really nice guy when he used to do those adverts. Um, <laughs> a, bit, a little bit of luck in the year of it. I forget yeah, what it was. Was that an insurance company or something? It was, that's right. It was hilarious, yes. and he'd he'd pull bits of his beard out and throw them into the fan. Some luck in the year for you. Funny guy. So yes, there you are. So uh, Dave, do we have anything to add? Before before we finish off for the night, uh, I don't think so for tonight. Um, are we done? Oh, 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 I think I think we're done. Are hey, we done? I think we are. So in that case, Dave, thank you very much once again uh, for no, joining don't. me, and yeah, thank you to everyone pleasure. for listening. Uh, don't forget, you can uh, catch us uh, at the WinFL Show on Twitter. You can also catch myself and Dave on Twitter as well. And, uh, you know, we keep coming in with the comments and questions. We do appreciate it. We appreciate everything you guys are doing for us. Uh, We recently passed over a thousand streams on Spotify alone. Uh, So uh, just unbelievable. Thank you so much to everyone. Uh, Who'd have thought that uh, just uh, some guys from the Outer Hebrides of Scotland talking garbage about the NFL We'd have uh, people listening for over a thousand times. That's ridiculous. Thousand times across the world. So, across, yeah, across, massive thanks. Across the world. Unbelievable. So there you are. So thanks very much uh, once again, Dave. And thank you to all of you for listening. And we will catch you on next week's edition of the WinFL Show.